0: Welcome to Boiled Down. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Orla Director of Government Affairs. Today, we are talking about natural gas and hospitality businesses, and I'm going to be joined by Dan Kirshner at the Northwest Gas Association. But first, we want to make sure you're getting the most out of your membership. And to help you do that, we'd like to highlight a benefit that you may or may not be aware of. Did you know members who qualify get 20% off their safe workers' comp premiums for 2022? Ask your agent for an Orla group quote, to see if you qualify, and you can learn more at OregonRLA.org SAIF. And if you're not a member, visit OregonRLA.org where you can join and start taking advantage of the numerous cost-saving benefits. And now I'm very excited to introduce our guest, Dan Kirshner, the Executive Director of the Northwest Gas
1: Association. Dan, welcome to Boiled Down. Thanks, Greg. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity to talk to you and and your members. Yeah, you bet.
0: Uh, We're very glad to have you here. This issue has been cropping up a little bit more lately. Uh, It seems like a few years ago, the city of Berkeley in California uh, did some... Uh, legislation around banning natural gas in in new construction. Uh, And now it seems to be a theme that's picked up. I know the governor of the state of New York, the new governor, has decided to um, fast forward the timeline for banning new construction natural gas. And we have a couple of cities here in Oregon, in Salem and Eugene, that are looking at climate action change plans that include banning natural gas. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on there and why there seems to be this movement to do it?
1: Um, sure, I, I would uh, to hopefully not not uh, minimize what we're experiencing today. Sometimes uh, bad things are contagious, right? And I would say that uh, the notion of gas bans uh, it, it is one of those ideas that uh, has uh, has really promulgated across a variety of uh, more progressive. More urban or, urban cities. You mentioned Berkeley. Uh, Seattle has a, a ban on new gas connections for commercial buildings. Uh, new York City just. Put a ban in for uh, new commercial buildings, and I know the state of New York is looking at that. So uh, it's uh, it's certainly out there. Eugene is talking about it. There's not a proposal on the <clears throat> on the table yet, but certainly the mayor and the city council are seriously giving serious consideration to how they how they uh, do something similar to that. Uh, Salem as well. Uh, so these are these are real. And there are things that are happening today in Oregon, uh, in your communities, uh, the communities that your members serve. So we've heard some of the
0: arguments for banning natural gas is that, you know, the fossil fuels argument, some of those kinds of things. But I know we're also seeing a record cold snap in the Northeast right now. We have seen some of the issues with uh, electricity, you know, starting wildfires here in Oregon. And I don't want to throw another utility under the bus, obviously, but Talk to me a little bit about the diversification of energy sources and why that's so important, no matter what the season is.
1: Well, I think that's it. We don't have to throw uh, any utilities under the bus. So we we can or any energy source under the bus. The, really, the uh, the value of our energy system here in Oregon, uh, Washington, really across North America, is it's really integrated. We use different fuels for different purposes. Uh, And and our objective in the natural gas industry, uh, one of the things that we've said for decades uh, is that the right fuel for the right use. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think many of your members find natural gas to be the right fuel for the the uses that they need. But when we start moving down a policy pathway uh, for whatever well-intentioned reason, that that begins to limit choice or more importantly, uh, limit the diversity of our energy system. In other words, as long as we're moving down the pathway of putting all our eggs in one basket, we have to begin asking the question, what's at risk here? What are we, what are we risking by eliminating the diversity that we have today versus what are we gaining, right? Now, as you say, we, we hear a lot about a rationale for doing it. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, you know, I, I'm a big believer. So I was, a, I was a Boy Scout, Greg. I was an Eagle Scout, and, and uh, I grew up being, being taught to leave my campsite better than I found it. So I am a firm believer that we need to do better and continuously do better, uh, get cleaner, do better with the fuel sources that we are using. <clears throat> but at the same time, we have to measure that against what's the cost. What's the disruption? I'm not talking just economic cost. Sure. I'm talking about physical disruption and the like. So let's talk about uh, energy diversity. The gas Association members so, my members are the six natural gas utilities and the three large transportation pipelines that ship gas from production areas in uh, the U.S. Rocky Mountain West, Alberta and British Columbia to our region and through our region uh, to to other market areas. Uh, We don't produce any gas for any intended purposes in in Oregon, Washington or Idaho. Uh, There's most of the gas we get here comes from British Columbia. But in Oregon, those members own and operate 30,000 miles of energy delivery infrastructure that is safely operated. Uh, every day, it delivers energy to the people who need it when they need it, whether that's a home that uh, just needs hot water in May or June, or maybe needs heat uh, for its space in some of the days we, we've we experienced already this year. Uh, the, on a cold, the coldest winter day in Oregon, uh, I've seen estimates that said uh, natural gas is providing 90% of the energy being delivered into the state. Wow. What happens when you take that source out or when you begin to eliminate that source and you start putting all your eggs in in the basket of, of the grid? What are the impacts on that grid? How reliable is it? How is it a cabin uh, up in? Uh, Washington State near White Pass uh, the day after White Pass reopened for one day and then went back down. We lost power. <clears throat> it has uh, an electric heat pump. Uh, it had electric hot water and and it had Wi-Fi, no cell service out there. <clears throat> when power went out, uh, now they, they don't have access to gas service up there, but I'm just making a point that was poignant to me. When, when the power went out, uh, Wednesday night, because it was raining buckets on top of the snow. Uh, I I got really uncomfortable. I said, well, I should probably call the cabin owners and let them know the power out. I can't call them. I have no cell service and the Wi-Fi's out. Mm-hmm. What about my grandbabies, the twins that are in the, in the room downstairs? There's no heat. How are we going to do that? Thankfully, the utility provider was able to restore the power very quickly, so mm-hmm. it was not a problem. But that made a real point to me. You know, natural gas, when it's available, is available all the time. So uh, it's very rare that it's, it is uh, disrupted. That is one of the values of it. There's a resilience factor, a reliability factor to the natural gas system. So my furnace, my gas furnace here in town, if the power goes out, the fan doesn't blow. So I might not be able to rely on my gas furnace for heat, but i got a gas fireplace. I will still have hot water. Right, regardless, because mm-hmm. that's that's a gas fireplace. So there's this reliability factor that isn't subject to the same pressures and risks that that my electricity is. And value of this thirty thousand miles of energy infrastructure that I mentioned, uh, and and something that we need to take into account. I would say the other the other aspect of that is if we're going to load up, if we're going to shift this load that's currently being served by natural gas to electricity, can the electricity grid handle it? What will it take to build? So we're talking about uh, shifting load and, you know, for the most part throughout the year, their energy demand shifts and varies and, uh, but we know it's colder in the winter and we know there's one hour in a winter period one day and one hour that's colder than any other hour or day of the year and that's the hour that the electric system has to be able to serve if the gas system goes away and and so what's the cost of that how do we accommodate that and what's the risk uh, if that cold day that cold hour from seven to eight a.m. on January thirteenth, whatever the day is, twelfth uh, I guess today, right? Um, you know, if if it's if it's really cold, and by the way, we've got ice coming, and now power lines are dropping, uh, we've got a problem there. So we've got to calculate the risk. That's all I'm really saying is there is a reliability factor that we need to think about, and how do we how do we ensure? that the entire energy delivery system is resilient, robust, and reliable. And today, with these overlapping systems, these integrated systems, um, excuse me, um, sorry about that. Right, Uh, it's not a phone, it's a dog or a baby, right? Right, right. uh, With these overlapping and integrated systems, they reinforce and help each other out eliminate a piece. It's like a Django tower, right? Take out the wrong block and the whole thing collapses. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of
0: information, Dan. We're going to take a short break, but when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the impact on the hospitality industry. And then I know you have some facts and figures you'd like to share with the folks that are out there listening. So uh, we'll be back after this short break.
1: right.
2: At Acuity Insurance, we believe that when you let your heart take the lead, amazing things happen. Possibilities become plans. Startups get started. Ideas on napkins turn into brick and mortar. When you lead with your heart, you build a business you're proud of and a life you love. So lead with your heart. We'll protect it with ours. Discover business, home, and auto insurance at Acuity.com. Acuity, a mutual insurance company and other companies. Not all products available in all states.
0: All right, welcome back to Boil Down. Again, I'm Greg Astley, your host, the Director of Government Affairs with the Oregon Restaurant and Lodging Association. And Dan Kirshner with the Northwest Gas Association is joining me. So Dan, we were talking earlier about uh, the diversification and the importance of the reliability uh, of natural gas, for example, for our members, uh, you know, restaurants who cook with natural gas, obviously breweries uh, who boil their water, the hotels that use them in their dryers, um, what's the impact if something like this were to pass in, say, a city like Salem or a city like Eugene? How is it going to affect the hospitality industry moving forward if this happens?
1: Well, let me start with, if I might, just a couple of facts and figures. So there's there's a, a target on natural gas use in Oregon as a, as a fossil fuel that's contributing to climate change. And and I just want to put that in context. So the combustion of natural gas in buildings, and this is homes and businesses, so think all residential and commercial buildings, the combustion of natural gas in buildings in Oregon accounts for 6% of the state's entire greenhouse gas emissions budget. Mm -hmm. So it's about the total budget's about, I don't know, 65 or 66 million metric tons, and natural gas combustion in homes and businesses is maybe it's seven percent today, but uh, it's around that number, right? Six or seven percent. Um, so what we're talking about is squeezing very little juice out of a out of a system. Uh, I'm not saying we shouldn't be looking at ways to decarbonize, uh, but but at the same time, back to the commentary about risk. You know, what what are we risking for what? benefit right yeah and uh, and so I think that's an important thing for for people to understand is just what is the contribution of natural gas combustion in homes and businesses across Oregon and it's it's small it's there it's small we need to do better we will do better but we got to also keep in mind what we can get from it <clears throat> now the other thing I'd say in, a, in a, a related vein is the cost of energy so in Oregon, the average cost of electricity delivered to a business in Oregon is three times the average cost of natural gas delivered uh, to for the same unit of energy. Uh, so there's a cost. So that gets us to the implications for your members. There, there are certainly costs associated with doing this. There's costs associated with building a system that can accommodate electrification. And that's before we even get to whether electricity is the appropriate, the right use for your members' purposes, right? So I think of a hotel, which I most hotels, I believe, have gas boilers uh, for, for uh, at least their hot water. Um, mm-hmm. And I think of... Any hotel I've stayed in, most of the people are taking showers at seven o'clock in the morning or so, you know, so you've got a hundred rooms or so, figure 70 or 80 80 of those people are taking a shower at roughly the same time. You got to be able to produce a lot of hot water to make sure that demand is met. And of course, I I would expect that a hotelier's worst nightmare is to have a dissatisfied customer because they had a cold shower, right? Well, can... Can electric water heat perform as well as gas water heat? This goes to the, to the kind of the choice issue. Do you, what would your preference be? There may be a small hotel or, or whatever that says, no, electric is going to be better for me. They should have that option. But forced electrification, which is the direction that we're going with the notion of gas bans in Eugene and Salem and other locales that we've talked about, where we actually take options off the table has much greater risks and uh, ramifications, I think, than than just leaving uh, the ability for a proprietor of a facility uh, to to choose the energy resource that's best for them. So now you want to talk about uh, restaurants? You know, I'm I'm a former commercial cook. Um, Never got a culinary degree, but, but was pretty good at it for a while. And, and I, even, I even go home. So I, this cabin I told you about had electric electric stove. Now, Why not have been one of the induction stoves? I hear they're terrific. I'm not casting aspersions, but I can tell you that, you know, I really missed my gas. I'm the one that cooked over the weekend when we were up at the cabin. And it was really hard for me to cook with that uh, flat-top electric stove. Yeah. And uh, uh, so cooks like people who cook for a living like it for a lot of different reasons. But there's some restaurants, I think of the Chinese restaurants and those wok burners. Yeah. Have you ever seen? I know you have. (laughs) Uh, I was shocked the first time I saw them. It's like a jet flame coming up, right? Mm -hmm. That's natural gas. I I don't think you can generate the same kind of heat uh, with the same intensity and controllability. Uh, with electricity, well, that's where some of some of the policymakers that we're engaging with want us to go. For again, well, good intentions, uh, but at what cost? And yeah. that's what I'm concerned about. Sure.
0: So, Dan, for any of our members, folks in the hospitality industry, you know, hopefully we can get them educated if they're not already about the issues, um, and then. What suggestions do you have for either, you know, getting involved or making sure that their voices are being heard when this happens in their community and in a place where they care about?
1: Right. Um, Well, number one, I would say to the extent that you're willing and able, educate your own customers about, about what your needs are, what, what your members, I would say, whether it's a restaurant proprietor a hotelier, uh, um, somebody like that, you know, Just let them know, just help educate your own customers about how you use energy and why. I think a lot of, for instance, hotels, a lot of hotels do that. Listen, we can save a lot of energy if you don't ask us to wash your towel every day. Right. No, but at the same time, you can say natural gas is very important to our business. And, uh, and we're looking at ways of using that fuel in better ways and you know, just educating in that way. I think the other thing is I would say, especially for proprietors of businesses, to the extent that you're comfortable doing it, contact your own legislator, have a conversation with them, uh, with him or her. And, and it, it doesn't have to be a part of a grassroots campaign where you click, you know, click on this to talk to your legislator just give a legislator a call and just tell them, you know, a diversified energy system is really important to me and my business. And let me talk to you about why. And tell them you're concerned about the costs that are being imposed uh, by some of the policy directions that we're moving right now. I mean, frankly, um, your members are going to, because of the climate protection plan, and I'm not casting aspersions on the climate protection plan itself, but the climate protection plan requires the gas utilities, among others, to reduce the emissions of their customers, right? Uh, they can't control how, whether your, uh, your restaurant owners, your, your hotel people can't control how long a shower their customers take, nor would they want right. to, right? <laughs> and, and uh, so the point is that they're going to start getting bills from the utility that are going up in cost because of the need to comply with the climate protection plan, uh, which they will do. Uh, they, they will comply with the climate protection plan. One, uh, I would say, intended consequence of that measure is to drive the cost up so high that maybe it makes more sense to electrify. Again, this is a form of forced electrification. And we're, um, uh, I would say we are all on board. Our members are all on board decarbonizing our economy, but electrification and decarbonization are not synonymous. Yeah. And yeah. That's, uh, that's something we need to focus on. So back to your members, I'd say the biggest thing I could suggest to them is, Know who your legislator is, and I know you guys do a great job of helping your members understand who the, those are. And just have a have a in just pick up the phone and have a call. It's it feels daunting to do, but but your legislators, your neighbor, they really are. They're just somebody in your neighborhood or somewhere close by, and just give them a call and tell them why you care. Yeah, that's, that's we- probably the best thing.
0: We do encourage our members to get to know their elected officials. You know, we want to be a resource uh, for the folks that are making those kinds of decisions. So that's great advice. Um, And as always, because this is an ongoing issue, we'll have updates at OregonRLA.org and our advocacy uh, tab so people can go there to get more information. And of course, hopefully they're signed up for our email updates, uh, the insider as well, so that they get that information. Um, Any final thoughts, Dan, before we take another break?
1: No, I think uh, I think. We are uh, we are concerned for our customers. Our members are concerned for our customers about the policy direction that we're taking. Uh, we're fighting on on your behalf uh, as best we can uh, some of these things to ensure that our state and communities in our state continue to rely have the opportunity to rely on a diversified, robust and reliable energy system and affordable too.
0: Terrific. Okay. All right, we're going to take another short break and we will be back with Advocacy Watch.
2: At Acuity Insurance, we believe that when you let your heart take the lead, amazing things happen. Possibilities become plans. Startups get started. Ideas on napkins turn into brick and mortar. When you lead with your heart, you build a business you're proud of and a life you love. So lead with your heart. We'll protect it with ours. Discover business, home, and auto insurance at Acuity.com.
0: Acuity, a mutual insurance company and other companies. Not all products available in all states. All right, welcome back. It's time for Advocacy Watch. This is where we boil down some of the local, state, and national government affairs issues that you should be aware of. And we're just gonna touch briefly on a couple of things coming up. Uh, Number one, in Oregon, we have our short legislative session coming up at the end of January and through February. It's a 35 day session. Uh, We know there's going to be some legislation discussed and for more details on what we believe will be out there, uh, you can go to oregonrla.org under the advocacy tab. During that legislative session on Tuesday, February 22nd of 2022, so 2 2022, 2022. Uh, We are going to have our Taste Oregon Legislative Reception at the Salem Convention Center. That's an opportunity for you, our members, to come down to meet with legislators and their staff, talk about the issues that are important to you, get to know them, develop those relationships, and really have a conversation. So we hope you can join us. Uh, More information is available again on the website at oregonrla.org. And as always, uh, please make sure you sign up for our emails uh, to get the information as well. So I'd like to say thank you again to Dan Kirshner at the Northwest Gas Association and to you for joining me today. I'm your host, Greg Astley, Director of Government Affairs for Orla. Thanks for listening.